Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. This is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers for your business. And today it's just me and Kasim. It should be. I know it should be. It should be. Back to just us, back to basics. And today I think is going to be a fun episode because we are just going to shred into every crappy agency that's out there on the market. And how to sniff out your agency's BS is the name of this. Now, the viewpoint is slightly skewed because we are both agency owners. And we bullshit quite often. So I think we're actually experts on the topic. I think we are. We are. We are. So some bullshit has been slung in the past. And uh, the funny thing is, is that I don't know whether you realize this, Kasim, but I'm actually doing a lot of the sales right now for Tier 11, which is actually a lot of fun. This is the job that I was originally I trained job. for. My sales was the first job out of college. Sales guy sort of moved myself through the corporate ladder and realized I hated the corporate ladder because you can fall from it very quickly. And I was fired twice. And then I had to start this whole thing. So I'm back doing sales, which is actually a lot of fun. So I'm realizing, especially talking to new businesses and that might want to work with Tier 11, like this, this BS that's been slung at other places, it's quite thick. It's quite heavy. It's quite stinky. So uh, we're going to be talking about that here today. Um, I am holed up in a WeWork in Boston. Literally, I'll show you for everyone who watches on YouTube. It's like, I almost feel like I'm inside a phone booth or like a bus. I'm not quite sure because it's got one of those like doors that open up in the middle. You're in a phone booth that's about to get repossessed, aren't they? Aren't they in bankruptcy? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like at any given moment, there might be movers coming in here, like taking out the furniture. So yeah, well, they're going to take out the booth. Some dude's going to come up with a dolly with you in it. That's what happens with fractional customers as they seize the customers too. You're going to be put up for auction. (laughs) They're going to lock me in the booth. So, you know, if the hey, what a horrible, those guys, it's such a phenomenal model. Imagine launching just the bad luck. Imagine launching fractional office space 48 hours before COVID. You know what I mean? Like that's God hates whoever. It's a great idea. Great idea. Right place, right time, right market, right use, right asset class. And then all of a sudden it was like, what if we just invent a disease that destroys this very specific business for <laughs> sure? Uh, here we are laughing, but somehow they survived. I thought they were literally in bankruptcy. Are they still around? Yeah. I watched actually a documentary on oh, this Netflix, I believe, like the making and breaking of a $47 billion unicorn, but there's been a bunch of documentaries on it. I think they came out of bankruptcy. Mm. So I am here actually in a WeWork and there are like 11 WeWorks in Boston. Just the name oh, WeWork. Dude, Starbucks. It's, yeah, yeah, like Starbucks. There's as many WeWorks as there are Starbucks, which was also a great plan. <laughs> it's a great plan. And the coffee is actually a little bit better than Starbucks, believe it or not. Like, Oh, look at that. Well, the bar is low, Ralph. Bar I is guess low. you're in Boston. You people drink Dunkin' and like it. We do. We do. 
Although my wife doesn't drink Duncan. She's sort of a coffee snob, but I still, you know, I still hang with Duncan. Dude, I bet you that will degrease an engine. I bet you you could use Duncan coffee. Dude, I, I bet you it kills rats. It does, actually. Like when I've got rust on the wheels of my car, Duncan, throw right. it on there. Duncan, no, that's yeah. exactly right. Next yeah. morning, rust all gone. Rust is gone. Rust is gone. The rust probably comes from the donuts, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the clog in the arteries probably comes from the donuts as well. So, so anyway, so if we get carted off and you're watching at home here or you're listening. I'll still be here. You'll be gone. Yeah, I'll be gone. The Casa will carry on. Traffic. Yeah. yeah. So if you are watching, you should be watching, actually, because we now broadcast these over on YouTube. I've said this a million times, but we're going to keep saying it. Perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. We are releasing these almost in real time. We're just about like the day it's released on Apple uh, Podcasts and over on perpetualtraffic.com, it gets released over on YouTube where we might be like 24 hours off, but it's pretty darn close. So, Dude, these thumbnails are killer. Yeah, so they tend to like you. The Perpetual Traffic video team tends to like your thumbnails. I don't know why that is. I, th- I gave them a lot to work with. I gave them a variety of poses. You just got to go give them more poses and then they'll, I know. they'll cozy up to you. I think they're just kind of tired of any of my poses. But yeah, yours have a lot of hair in them, so which is always good. I've got more stupid, goofy looking poses. But anyway, just that onto itself is worth going over to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. See what we're doing over there on the YouTubes and Perpetual Traffic is there for you. We are multimedia now. So before we get into today's conversation to rip every one of our competitors out there, we're not just doing this because it's fun to mess with our competitors, but we're doing it to ruin their business, to ruin their business. But we're doing it for you, the listener, so that you avoid these pitfalls, because there's a lot of BS being slung out there. Just look at all the sites. It's crazy. And, you know, it takes one, no one to a certain degree. So I feel uniquely qualified to be able to do this critique today. Um, But before we get into that, you have yet another nugget because you came from that driven mastermind thing. And that is just nugget rich. So what's another one? This one's dirty. It's a dirty trick, Ralph. Dirty. Must have come from Perry. These are my favorite. This one's mine. I, I come up with all the dirty tricks. Perry just uses them better than me. This would have won me Wicked Smart if I was allowed to compete in Wicked Smart. This is how good this one is. Yeah. Okay. If you don't mind me patting myself on the back. So well, you know, you're building pe- it up way too much, and now people are going to be like, just, No, it's even better than how I'm building it. Like, people are going to be like, oh, you know what? He set the bar high, and then he hurdled it. Wow. That's overconfidence. Yeah. Ah, um, you have to commit now. I'm I'm too deep. I can't, <laughs> I can't backpedal. The pressure's really on. So what many people do not realize is you do not need to use the same URL as the origination of the traffic in your remarketing. I'm going to say that again in a different way. If somebody clicks on an ad or even finds you organically and goes to your website, your website's abc.com. When you run a remarketing campaign... That remarketing campaign is based off of a pixel that could be, it could belong to any account. So you could remarket for xyz.com, which you think like, okay, that makes sense. Fine. That's benign, you know, but here's the dirty trick, which I love. If somebody goes to tier 11, let's say they go to tier 11.com and then they leave. The thing that you're used to doing is remarketing tier 11. Hey, come back. We love you. We want you. We need you. But what if they started seeing editorial ads, content videos from agencynewswire.com talking about the best agencies in the world. And tier 11 just happened to be number one every single time. 
And now you, I see you smiling. I hurdled it, didn't I, Ralph? Like this, it's it's a dirty little trick, man. But especially with I know how it's done. That's why I'm smiling. But anyway, keep going. With remarketing being effectively free, you're taking somebody who is interested in you and because people, A, don't know how remarketing works and B, don't even realize when they're seeing a remarketing ad, all of a sudden they're going to think, oh man, that was that was the agency I was just looking. I didn't know they were, they're number one. Are they award a, winning? Award, yeah. Look how handsome that man is with his beard and his, and his football shoulders. And you can edify and credentialize yourself, make it look like it's you know, a coincidence or organic or, you know, who knows what they assume and nurture prospects ostensibly through word of mouth. Yeah. I like it. I think it's a dirty little trick. I mean, I, I don't know as if it's dirty though. I mean, I, you know, that's the way to just get people's attention. It's just brilliant. I should have started there. There's a reverse to this, which works exceedingly well. And I don't know why more people don't do it. And quite honestly, I don't know why we don't do it more is, and we've had this conversation a bit on previous episodes where we talked about sort of this new paradigm, this new era of growth, how to achieve full funnel excellence. And one of the things I think that is another part to this is the reverse of that, is setting up a brand or maybe a personal brand, like let's say com or whatever it happens to be, or you know, something about like what your product is all about. Let's pick a fictitious product, green juice, for example. So you set yeah, up- Green juice exists, Ralph. That's well, not fictitious at all. Well, a fictitious Leprechaun product in the juice. green juice niche. All right. How about in the, uh, pick, pick your color, the purple juice niche. Okay. So you set up a site called purplejuicing.com and you set up a Facebook page, Purple Juicing. And you feed content to individuals top of funnel about the value of purple juicing. Mm. And in your retargeting, you send them to the product. Send them to your purple juicing product. Interesting. So this could be like a yin and a yang where yes. your top of funnel is editorial, your bottom of funnel is conversion, and then your bottom of the funnel remarketing is editorial. Aha. Uh -huh. So I see where you're going on this. Like I'm just, I, I get it. I understand it. I love it. I don't think it's quite as dirty as you made it out to be. I don't know, man. So here's, I'll tell you how it gets dirty. You ready? What if somebody that you knew really well, and I don't do this by the way, but I could, and I swear to God, I don't do this, but I could. I had a real estate investment campaign and I'm actually starting back up incidentally. I want to get back into real estate, specifically in syndication. But let's say that somebody wants to sell their house fast for cash. Okay. So you're in Boston, you go sell my house fast for cash. You're willing to sell for a discount because you don't want to go through realtors, closing costs, fees, you know, people tromping through your house, whatever. You land on my website, you think about selling your house. To me as an investor, you leave. And then all of a sudden you start getting editorial content from the Boston real estate watch.com saying the market's about to collapse, time to get out, cost per square foot oh, is dropping, yeah. average days on market are spiking, this data point, this case study, this whatever, whatever, whatever. And I don't just do that with one site, I do that with 15. So you, especially an unsophisticated internet user, would have no idea that this is actually being forced upon you based off of your browsing history. Instead, I am manipulating you into feeling like your property is about to be worthless, so you come sell to me quickly. So this could get real dirty real quick. That's dirty. Dirty. That's dirty. Nobody do that. Don't do that. No. But you heard it here first. Yeah. You did. So I think it actually plays into today's episode of like what to watch out for and skeezy, Dude, about dirty agencies. skeezy marketing tactics. 
and a borderline and then skeezy agency promises and bullshit agency claims that we're going to like tear apart here today. So thanks for setting the, <laughs> setting, setting, the setting bar. the frame from deception all the way through the entire episode, which we're going to get into in uh, just after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me, and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back, and uh, we've got a long list here. Awesome. We're just going to have to rip through this and rip through our competition and just rip everybody in the agency space on, on today's show um, because there's so much BS out there. I think the reason for this is this one problem is that there's 42,100 agencies. They're not all marketing in agencies. Boston. Yeah, in Boston. Yeah. So I don't know if that's U.S. or that's internationally, but it seems probably like U.S. There's a Dude, lot. there's such of, a low barrier to there's entry. There's a low barrier to entry. Like, hey, man, I know how to run Facebook ads. I'm going to set up, me, set me up an agency. Yeah, or so, I don't, and I'm going to set me up an agency anyway, and I'll figure it out as I go. Right, right. Yeah, when you read those articles, like 15 businesses you can start from home with no money, number one is always agency. And it's actually usually numbers one, three, nine, and you know, like there's a bunch of different, it's like content agency, traffic agency, graphic agency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have a modicum of expertise, you can probably get a client here or there. And if you need money, like you can do it. And we know plenty of people who need money and use very deceptive tactics in order to get that money any way they possibly can. And the agency is a way to do it. So we're going to help you sniff through your agency's BS here. And I know you've got a list. I've got a list. And we'll combine our lists here together to hopefully safeguard against you making a bad choice for your agency. At the very least, hopefully give you some takeaways, some questions to ask. And if you ever book a call with Solutions 8 and Tier 11, like ask these same questions. I encourage you to do that. I dare you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
how dare you to you know question our expertise but no seriously like you need to do this like this is a big choice and what ends up happening is what really pisses me off is that if people don't ask these questions they hop from agency to agency to agency and then it's just like you're never going to find our true partner that way unless you actually know like really what you're looking for and what to watch out for so these are today's watch outs so Kasim, what do you got on number one on your list? We're Google partners or Facebook partners, as though this matters. What this really means is I had 45 minutes to waste, and I wasted it. I did. Which, incidentally, we're Google Premier partners, Ralph. That's how fancy we are. And there's nothing wrong with being a Google partner or a Facebook partner, but there's no real value proposition. I, I don't know. You can tell me what, how you feel about Facebook's education. Google's education is flawed. So if somebody says, we follow all the rules, or we do what Google tells us to do, you don't want to work with that agency, because Google wants you to spend a whole bunch of money and not care about the results. I have found, on the Google side, so few, and I know I'm going to piss off a lot of Google reps by saying this, so few reps that actually know what the hell they're talking about. All the good ones are in Mountain View. If you're on the phone with somebody at Google, ask them, hey, man, where are you geographically? And if they say anywhere else, even if it's in the States, they say anywhere else other than Mountain View, the really good actual like know what the hell they're doing, Google reps are in Mountain View at Google proper and all the rest of them are A, most of those reps that you talk to don't even work for Google. They work for companies, I forget their name, I think one's called T-Tech and another one, there's another really big one out there. They're just vendors that have at google.com email addresses and they're effectively salespeople and their KPI is just to get you to spend more. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So the takeaway here is to ask, like, if you do talk to an agency that says, yeah, we're a Google partner, first question you should ask if you're a CMO or director of marketing or owner operator is, oh, oh, that's great. Like, where's your rep based? Hmm. You know, what's funny about that, man, is we don't have a rep. Google took away, and you guys might have one because you've been around longer than I, Google took away agency dedicated reps. So there are agencies that still have them. We have reps on individual accounts, like large spend accounts, but I don't have an agency rep. I don't have anybody to, to call or to talk to. I have 200 clients. I know. I 200 clients. Most make, agencies tap out at 30, and Google hasn't sense. given me a single point of contact. We have one or two, but it's like a rotation. I don't know why we would actually have one and you wouldn't. Like th That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I do. That. Well, I also talk just a boatload of shit. So I can see Google saying, like, don't. Screw don't Solutions 8. Yeah. Now, on the meta side... Like, hey, we're a Facebook partner. First off, you should say Meta. So get with the program. Facebook is... It's a like saying AdWords. I use AdWords. Do you now? Do you really? Great. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. You take your walker to the computer and use the AdWords. Do you? I'm a Yahoo pay-per-click expert. <laughs> no. I mean, if they say Facebook, first off, it's bullshit. Secondly, we actually do have a Meta rep who is quite good. And the team, her boss, her boss's boss, her boss's boss's boss... I know a lot of people at Meta, and these are high-quality people. Now, are they running ads right now? Do they know in-the-trenches stuff like you do or like our media buyers do? No, they don't. But they bring us ideas and concepts that we probably wouldn't have thought of before because we're always like, well, what are the big brands doing? Like, what are the big ones doing? Like, tell us about that stuff. And, of course, I mean, they always have their own agenda. Like, they want us to be able to adopt their products, and they were way ahead of it on reels like hey tier 11 use more reels now we're like reels are great i think that if you have the right meta rep it actually makes a huge difference but i'm skewed because we actually have one 
but, oh, you have a Facebook rep, ask them what kind of rep they have. If they don't know what it is, or if they don't know if it's a partner manager, partner manager is the key for agencies, they're bullshitting you. It's BS. And I know that department really, really well. And it's an exclusive club to be a partner manager. So I'm not saying that to tout tier 11. I'm just saying that if it's on their site, I would not necessarily think that it's real, especially if they say they have a Facebook rep or they have our Facebook partner. There's no such thing anymore. It's a meta business partner or a partner manager program. So anyway, so blew that one out of the water. So a couple of takeaways there, which is important. Second one, I'm going to throw this one out, is proprietary process, secret sauce. And this is the killer, is proprietary tracking. And we are a data-driven agency with a proprietary attribution system. Kasim, is there such a thing as a proprietary attribution system that you're aware of? There technically could be. Here's the thing. Eric Huberman, Hawk, one of the best agency owners in the world, I think, $500 million agency. He actually built Hawk AI. He actually has proprietary software, but he has a $500 million agency. And that's about the minimum that you'd need to be in order to go build your own proprietary software. If you're dealing with an agency that doesn't look like they're venture-backed and have hundreds of millions of dollars to pour into SaaS... I'd be real. I'd question, first of all, if you have proprietary software, then that stuff is built in a soup kitchen in some back alley Chinatown restaurant on the break of a busboy who's just trying to make ends meet while he puts himself through college. You know what I mean? Like that's, there's no way you have your proprietary software, your little $10 million gross revenue agent and $10 million gross revenue for an agency is big, by the way. So there's a little teeny tiny rinky dink agency all of a sudden has proprietary software exclusive to them that nobody else has. If that were true, you don't want it. And if it's not true, how about not work with people that are liars? Now, if an agency says, I'm not going to tell you my tech stack. Okay, that's good to know. You know what? It took me a long time to figure out the tools that we use. That's proprietary to me. That's not the decision that we've made here at Solution Date, but I can at least respect if an agency said, you know, we keep those types of things to ourselves. We just here to do the work. We don't want to be usurped. Fine. But the minute they're saying, oh, we have exclusive access to specific tools that nobody else has, I'm just like, okay, I bet you do. Yeah, right. As one executive once told me, who shall remain nameless, is that the majority of the proprietary attribution systems are Tableau backed by Google Data Studio or Looker Studio. And that's pretty much it. It's all the same crap. It, it's, it's basically, yeah. it's all the same crap. Now, that's good. I mean, at least you got something, but it's not proprietary because everybody has that. Question is, do they enlist the assistance of potentially a third-party tool which might power their proprietary tracking software? That is a whole other thing. But the point is, is that to build that, I mean, we know the owners of a lot of third-party tracking attribution softwares, they are really hard to build. You need PhDs and a team of engineers and millions and to so get to that. Money. And so much yeah. money. Dear and God. Just the integration. Oh, yeah. We tried it. It cost us like a quarter of a million dollars and it failed. But at least we gave it a shot. Now we use a combination of a lot of things. Wicked Reports is one of the ones that we use a lot. Obviously, North Beam, we've talked about them quite a bit. There's some good third-party tracking softwares out there. Google Analytics 4, obviously, for everything after the click. There's a combination. Like If you can get that from the agency specifically, as opposed to it being proprietary, unless they are Madison Avenue, like billion-dollar valuation agency, chances are it's probably just Looker Studio, really, at the end of the day. So with some prettying up on the front end because they've got a nice software developer. Proprietary, watch out for that. Secret sauce. And if they do have a secret sauce, have them show like what it is. 
there should be a methodology to what they do. But when it comes to attribution and data, drill down on those questions a little bit more as opposed to just sort of taking it at first glance. This is very similar to the supplement niche in a lot of ways, Mm. like proprietary formula or almost (laughs) every supplement that's out there. Not in my purple juice brand, however, because my Ralph's purple juice is completely above it's board. Organic. Yeah, it's yeah. organic. It's, it's great. It's going to be a new market, me and you going into business together. So watch out for that. What's your next watch out? We work with big brands. We work with big brands. Here's the thing that I think is funny about that. And by the way, I've got some big clients. You've got some big clients. There's nothing wrong with having big clients. But big brands, large campaigns are easier they might be a little bit more difficult to manage, but the actual nuts and bolts of the campaign is easier because you have a client that's actually paying what you need to be paid in order to do the job, number one. Number two, they have the ad spend that would be necessary to go out and make some mistakes. It's super easy to hide behind big spends. You have margin. You have the ability to make mistakes. If you see a small, nimble agency that has nothing but small clients, they're probably better, by the way, and I'll say this is a big agency now. So I'm a big agency and I know for a fact that when I was small, 200 clients, $100 million in ad spend, we were better when we were at 30 clients because there was seven of us and everybody was 100% hands-on and our clients were spending an average of like five to $10,000 a month. And if you made one mistake, you lost that client. It was over. So we were still team six. And now I think we're still really, really good, but we're as good as an agency that is scaled can be. And so, you know, talking to all the businesses out there, there's a bunch of reasons to work with an agency that's scaled, by the way. I have more data than other people have. I can see on the horizon, I have more industries, more insights, et cetera. I wouldn't discount those small agencies. Don't let yourself be blinded by the big brand logo on somebody's website, because I don't think that means anything. That just means I'm hiding behind ad spend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's good. And I think there's a lot of, <laughs> I've seen a lot of agencies that have those logos, and I know for a fact they've never worked with us. <laughs> either. So dude, I did that. You want to hear something funny? I thought I needed that. So like I got a video on MTV's ridiculousness. So I put, and I mean, that's actually, that's absolutely true. We shot a video for another client, a small, small, small client. MTV called and said, can we use this on our TV show ridiculousness? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So we had MTV's ridiculousness in our media mentions. I did a website for Hamilton Beach water filtration for a water filtration vendor, a guy who had an exclusive right from Hamilton Beach to sell the water filtration software just in Phoenix, Arizona. And I did his website. So Hamilton Beach's logo was on my website. A guy named Rick Hatch used to own the Harley Davidson dealership here before he ended up going out of business. And so I had Harley Davidson's logo on my website. It's such an easy thing to spoof into game. You know, it's like, well, I got an email from an employee at T-Mobile once I responded with some advice. So technically they're a consulting client, you know? (laughs) Oh my God. That's classic. Yeah. There was an agency once that we were in competition with and they were new and they basically took to all the badges from our site and just pasted them on theirs. I remember telling one of our clients, do you know that these guys are claiming that they work with you? It was like, thank you. We've already sent a season of assist order. Yeah. (laughs) Unbelievable. So watch out for that. It's not all that it appears. It's certainly a trust factor that if you're doing like a CRO audit, everyone sort of picks up on that. Oh, you need trust factors, but they may or may not be completely above board. Mm. Ask them what they did. Hey, what did you do for Hamilton Beach? What work did you do for them? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about a campaign that you worked or maybe one that didn't work or how you turned them around or results. Go specific on it. Like call it out. I think it's definitely worthwhile. That's a good one there. 
One of the ones, one of mine is, and I hate this, is they sell you what you want, but not what you need. This is a real, real problem in the agency world. So we've done secret shopping in other agencies, like dozens of them. If team members that do this every now and then just sort of make sure and every single one is like if you go in and say hey i want facebook ads like they will sell you facebook ads twice twice over not even looking at like what you actually need and there's a difference between what you want and what you need and i think now actually doing the sales yet again you know for tier 11 which is which is great you really get to understand like businesses think that they need just more traffic right when in fact sometimes it's not the thing that they really need they want it because they think all i need to do is just pour more gasoline onto the fire which is very dangerous by the way i tried to do that this week this weekend in our outdoor fireplace nearly blew myself up don't ever do that um highly flammable that gasoline thing so it? yes it they is should very, have warning signs they on, should on have. gas canisters it wasn't off. my fault no <laughs> it wasn't a warning sign yeah gas caution flammable thankfully the fire wasn't really going it's just smoldering but then it went poof and blew what left my hair off. Anyway, the point is, is that this happens all the time. It's like you'll go and you'll think that Facebook ads is what you actually need for your business. When in fact, if you don't have tracking set up, if you don't have avatar deep dive research, if you haven't done at least a moderate amount of research and work that is done for messaging and hooks and all the things that are important that drive your creative, your front end creative, the Facebook ad side of the equation, and especially the tracking, most like almost most importantly, like you need your pixel set up, you need like your, as Dennis Yu says, you need your plumbing set up first and foremost. Maybe even you need it like offer augmentation. Maybe if you ever have run any level of traffic to your offer, how do you know the world actually wants it? There should be some kind of previous logic or previous proof that if you send cold traffic to your offer, you're going to get at least a pulse. And so a lot of people will come and just say, hey, I need Facebook ads. But what they really need is like a new offer and they need messaging. Like I said, the tracking setup is that all that stuff is sort of a precursor to everything that you do on the media side. I know that you've seen that on Google. Everyone comes to you guys for Google. And what's the first thing that you typically set up? Not like your yeah. The tracking. Yeah. Right. What I think a lot of agencies will do is they will just go straight into the media buying. Then you're just wasting your time because you're just doing the same thing that you were doing before and there's really no differentiation. So selling you what you want, not necessarily what you need, I think is an important part. And then a part to that is my second part is guaranteeing results. That is total bullshit. There's no agency on the planet that can guarantee results. There's an exception to that which is just having a good guarantee. So it's, I guarantee results or you don't pay, which I've seen agencies do. Now, but, but to the point that you're making, they're not guaranteeing results full stop as a ubiquitous truth. They're just assuming the risk. Like, I think that's fair. I'd never do that, by the way. I've got way too many clients beeping down my door. I'm fat and happy, man. But if I were a young, hungry, nimble agency and I said, hey, a performance guarantee, I guarantee I feel so confident in what I can do. If I don't have you, you know, at this specific threshold within three months, I'm not going to charge you or I'll stop charging you until I bring you back, whatever it is. I'm fine with that. But as soon as somebody says, you know, guaranteed top page of Google, now I'm like, okay, you're a liar and you're stupid. Putting your money where your mouth is, I think is an important is an important one. It's hard to do because this agency thing isn't cheap. Human capital is expensive. 
Yeah. I think it's it's easier to do when you're a solopreneur or let's say you're, you know, two partners working together in a basement and you're just grinding, you don't have anything to do anyway. You know, you're dying for clients. So that's my advice. If you're a young agency listening to this, go do that. Show up and say, look, hey, we're brand new. We're trying to figure this out. I want to work with you. The benefit you get is you get my complete attention and I'm going to work myself into a bloody nub until I make it work. The disadvantage and the risk to you is I'm probably going to make some mistakes. And you're going to find the businesses that are like, you know what? I like that. I've been there. I'm going to take a shot on you. Yeah. I think it's actually, it's it's the last thing in the world we need is another agency custom. So I hate the fact that you're actually trying to promote more agencies in this world. But if I were to start again and I had my back to the wall, gun to my head, had to burn the boats, I would absolutely do that. And the first client we ever took was a friend of mine and I charged him a hundred bucks a month. I was like, here, my first real client, I have to charge you something. And I'm like, how about a hundred? He's like, great. That was about, and I didn't guarantee results, but I worked for nothing. I worked like 40 hours a week for him for a hundred dollars a month. Our stuff eventually started to work. Yeah. Isn't <laughs> it always a surprise when that happens? You're like, I was oh like, my dear God. Oh my God, we're actually successful. And then I was like, now I'm producing results and I'm only charging him $100 a month. I forget how it ended, but then I think I got some other clients and then he kind of moved on. But then you got a guy to offer a testimonial and a reference and you have a case study and you can actually speak with authority. I, yeah, I, st- I still see him to this day, like every once in a while. Like we'll just run into each other at like a house party or whatever in the neighborhood. <laughs> Which is just it's great. His business, I think he's retired now. But anyway, it was a good way to start. And I think if you do start, put your money where your mouth is. Because what you're doing now is you're exchanging just your time for anything. And you're also learning. So I think it's very smart advice, even though don't go start your own agency, for Christ's sake. There's 42,000 of us out there. Well, not only that, but I think AI is about to narrow. It's cold. The herd is what I'd say it's going to do. So careful. Yeah. Yeah, figure out an AI tool. All right, so uh, we're going to get to the last couple of these, how to sniff out your agency's BS after this quick break. Hey, do you want to work with the best client-focused agency in the world? I mean, one that helps purpose-driven businesses achieve their vision? Well, it's time you check out Tier 11 as a career choice. Right now, we are hiring for a lot of different positions, but the most important one right now is our client success owner. The CSO is one of the most important positions at Tier 11 because they're the linchpin between our clients and our team who ensures smooth communication and excellence in service delivery. When I built this company 10 plus years ago, I always wanted to have a virtual organization that has strong company culture and a client-centered focus that really took things to the next level, but also enabled purpose-driven businesses to achieve their vision through what we do every single day through customer acquisition amplification. So if this sounds like you and you have the skills required to be an awesome client success owner, head on over to tier 11 forward slash jobs, tier11.com forward slash jobs, fill out the CSO application. We'd love to talk to you about how you can take your career and our client success to the next level. All right, we are back how to sniff out your agency's bullshit here. Kasim, what do you got for us? <laughs> this is one of my favorite. Our team is made up of industry veterans. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. And I'm saying this as an old guy, right? I'm, I'm a gray beard now. I'm at the halfway point of life. The smartest marketers in the world are 14 years old. They're, you know, almost prepubescent where 
the veteran thing doesn't play very well in the digital sphere. So I just be real careful about throwing that one around. You need some maturity for sure, but don't discount those kids. I see it all the damn time. I just did a consult with two young men out of Australia. Shout out to my boys, Nathan and Sebastian. And I think if memory serves, they're 22 and 23 years old. And they are freaking brilliant with a capital B. They're just beyond intelligent. They have the best processes I've ever seen. Blue Sense Digital. Go Google Blue Sense Digital just to give them a shout out. But they're super duper young. And so if you were to discount them, you'd be missing out on what I think is the next up and coming agency. So, you know, the industry veteran thing is just like, uh, man, I don't know if you wanted just an agency of just me and Ralph. If you've got one or two of us at the top, that's okay. But the whole kit and caboodle, I'd be real careful with them. Yeah. If all your media buyers are Google people from 20 years ago, like they've been doing it for 20 years, I would be very concerned about mm. that. Skags. Yeah. We're running Skags. Yeah. You updated <laughs> your negative keywords today. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Broad match, exact match, phrase match. That is something to watch out for. I mean, I do think in defense of us, a little bit on the grayish, beardish side, although you don't have the beard anymore. But uh, the point is, like, you should actually... I have no issues with management being a little bit more on the veteran side, but like all the people that work for us here are like in their 20s. <laughs> And that's not just saying like, it's only those people. But I am saying that, especially if you're on social, that is that is an asset in a lot of cases. And the industry veterans, I think, bring some measure of maturity and experience to the table. But if that's the thing that the agency is touting above over anything else, I think it's it's a bit of a misnomer. Depends on the agency. Like if you're an SEO agency, okay, industry veteran. If you're a TikTok agency, veteran of what exactly? What is it that you think that you have some legacy knowledge that helps in this brand new sphere and arena? <laughs> the platform is what, like four years old? Three years? Maybe? I'm a veteran of TikTok. I've been doing it since 2020. You know, like really? All right. What's your last couple here? Award-winning. If anybody ever says they're award, first of all, I've got awards on my website. I'm proud of them. But go Google the award. And 90% of the time, they paid for that award. Because there are companies that will say, hey, you're the best Google Ads agency. We're so proud of you, et cetera. Uh, sign up here for your $3,000 plaque and we'll send it straight to you. And then you get the plaque and the thing and the badge and whatever. I also love a, we're a one-stop shop. Oh, good One-stop one. shop. Yeah. So if you need like, uh, Ryan Dice had this real funny part of his keynote where he used to talk about he was driving by a store in Texas and, and the sign said bookkeeping and lawnmower repair. <laughs> and that's what one stuff, that's how different these proficiencies are. That's how different, if you really think about it, funnel creation and Google ads. I think bookkeeping and lawnmower repair have more to do with each other than creating funnels and managing Google ad accounts. And my very last one is, this is the best one. We specialize in every industry. <laughs> Man. We especially, you know what that's like? That's like saying, I'm monogamous with all of the women I'm currently dating. Right. I am committed to all of them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud to wear that on my sleeve. I am fully committed to the 27 women that I'm dating. That's right. That's it. Oh my God. All right. Well, those are some good watch outs here. Uh, <laughs> how to sniff out your agency's BS is the name of today's show. Make sure you check us out over on 
YouTube. <laughs> Let us know if you found this the least bit helpful because I think there's a lot that's out there that you got to watch out for. At the end of the day, this is a marriage between your business and them. Don't treat it like you're just dating them and just you got to vet, you know, an agency. You you really do. I think if they oversell you or overpromise you, that's a huge warning sign in a lot of ways. And, you know, some people do it that way and that's fine. And I mean, you have to sell the sizzle to a certain degree, but at the end of the day, like, do you trust them to make good choices to scale and grow your business? And I think we've given you some things to watch out for here and maybe even some questions to ask to make sure that you don't make that mistake because agency hopping sucks for you and for the agency. So anyway, we're going to leave all the links in the show notes here. So thank you for listening. Uh, make sure that you subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. Let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. It does actually change the course of perpetual traffic history here, Kasim. It really has changed so much. And uh, we didn't do a shout out for our ratings and for subscribing and leaving a rating because we've got a couple. We'll do that on our next episode. So thanks for everybody who has left a rating and make sure that you do do that. It certainly helps uh, get a wider listenership and help other digital marketers like yourself. Follow me over on LinkedIn and Kasim on Twitter. Go back and listen to previous episodes. And like I said before, check out our YouTube channel at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. All resources and show notes are at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam. Peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 